Today's reading is Acts 11 from verse 19 to verse 30. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Thanks, uh, Jude, for, uh, for, for taking that reading for us this morning. Uh, this morning, as I said, we're, we're back in the book of Acts. And uh, hopefully you've got one of the sermon outlines uh, with you. Uh, these get mailed out every week with our weekly email. Um, there's a link that you can click on and you're able to download that. There's also a kids sheet uh, with an outline, a couple of questions and an activity that the kids can do on the back. Um, it's possible though that you're not on our email list yet and you might want to be. Uh, if you do, then you can either send me an email or you can actually send us your email through the chat. Just send it privately to South Island CRC, um, the host of this meeting. We'll get you linked up with our weekly email and then you can get our sermon outlines each week. Uh, be good to keep your Bible open here at Acts chapter 11. Before we dive in, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have your word and we thank you that we have the time and the opportunity to consider it this morning. We do pray, Lord God, that you would be the one who was speaking to us, uh, your church, uh, through your word and by your spirit. Please be at work in our hearts uh, and our minds, our minds to understand and our, our, our hearts to be changed, renewed uh, and strengthened by your word. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, my guess is that uh, most of us have experienced an interaction with a person which we come away from really enthusiastic. Um, filled, recharged, invigorated. It, it seems that some people that you talk to, they just have this, this ability to kind of spur you on in a conversation. Well, I guess is that, that many of us have had the flip side of that as well. We've had a conversation with, it and, with someone and we've just come away drained. We're flat. We've been wrung out. It's just, it's just really hard and we've just maybe come away really discouraged. But I wonder if we've ever asked the question, how do people leave interactions with me? 
how do people feel after a conversation that I've had with them? Are they drained? Are they flat? Do they feel beaten up? Or are they actually in a better place than they were before? Are they encouraged? Are they built up? Are they spurred on? You see, this morning, we're thinking about this, this ministry of the church, this wonderful ministry that we're all called to have towards one another, this ministry of encouragement, this calling that we all have to be active in building one another up and to be spurring one another on in the faith. 1 Thessalonians 5 puts it this way. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So this morning, we're going to think a little bit about this ministry. And we're going to do that by looking at someone who was such a great encourager that the church changed his name to Son of Encouragement. Or we know him as Barnabas. Now, we are back in the book of Acts this morning after a little break. And here in chapter 11, we come to yet another growth or expansion of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. We have ongoing situation of, of persecution in Jerusalem in particular, which is pushing believers further and further out and away. And here we notice that the spread of the good news is going northwards. It's going to Phoenicia, going to Cyprus, which is an island, and it's going up to Antioch. And it's in Antioch that becomes the focus for a little while. This is a large city. It's, in fact, the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It's a multicultural city. It's a melting pot of people, ideas, and religions. And it's here that the gospel starts to work in the hearts and in the lives of people coming to faith. We have these missionaries, these people persecuted, taking the gospel with them, and Jewish people and Gentile people are coming to faith in Christ. And it's here in this city that, that, that we first get the term Christians, people who, who belong to Christ. Now, when news of this reaches back to Jerusalem, the church there in Jerusalem decides to send a man up to see what is going on. And that man is Barnabas. Now, we've, we've heard of Barnabas a couple of times already in our series through the book of Acts. He was the one, if you remember, right back in Acts chapter 4, uh, when Annas at Nias and Sapphira sort of pretended to give the money and, well, ended up paying a big price. Um, he was the one who originally had sold his field and given his money to the apostles for, the, for them to give to the needy uh, as they saw fit. And then in Acts chapter 9, it was Barnabas who took the risk of bringing Saul, that newly converted persecutor of the church, to the apostles in Jerusalem. He made the introduction. He made Saul feel welcome. But it's here in chapter 11 that we really get to see why Barnabas is given this name, son of encouragement. Here we have this great example of an encourager. 
And that's really our, our focus this morning. We want to have a look at this, this incredible uh, model, this incredible example that God has given to us so that we might be more engaged and more active in this ministry of encouragement towards one another. Now, in a couple of moments, we're going to have a look at, at what an encourager does. But before we get there, we want to actually notice something else. We want to actually notice why. What is it about Barnabas that makes him such an encourager towards others? Because we actually get an insight here, and it's quite a unique one. If you want to look down at verses 23 and 24, 23 describes what he did. We'll get to that in a moment. But look at chapter 20, verse 24. It says, for he, now the kind of commentaries sort of suggest that that word for should be a little bit stronger. It's really because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Why is Barnabas such an encourager? Because of his character. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. Now, what does Luke mean when he calls Barnabas a good man? I mean, it's kind of a phrase that we, we throw around quite liberally, but interestingly, the, the Bible doesn't. In fact, in the whole of the book of Acts, Barnabas is, is the only one who's referred to as good. And it really carries this idea of someone of sound Christian character. Someone of wholesomeness. Someone of integrity. Uh, someone whose, whose life, whose words, whose actions flow out of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no break between what they say and what they do. Now, notice here that this, this good man, this idea of being good, is linked with being full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And these things, they, they go together. They're inseparable, aren't they? Where does this character, this integrity, this wholesomeness, this consistency come from? Well, it, it comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. It's a life that is lived in deep faith and in deep trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe this, maybe this doesn't surprise us, or, or maybe it shouldn't really surprise us. Because if I think of the people in my life, past and present, who have been the most encouraging towards me, they are also the people whose faith, whose godliness, whose character is so clearly evident. Their encouragement is not just something that they happen to do. It flowed out of a rich spiritual walk with the Lord. They backed it up with integrity. Now, now they weren't perfect, you know, no one is. But you could see, you could tell that God was at work in their lives. That they were, they were students of his word and they, they loved his word. They were, they were people of prayer. They were people who were, who were striving 
for godliness. And their character flowed out into encouragement of others. Now, he, he, wouldn't, like, uh, he wouldn't like for me to mention him this way, but, but I think that many of us knew John as this kind of guy. He was an incredible encourager. But you never got the idea that he was faking it or putting it on. Because it flowed from his personal walk with the Lord. It, it was part of who he was. It, it flowed out of time in God's word, time in prayer, time striving, to, to seeking to please the Lord with his life. Now, why, why go into this? Well, I think one of the temptations when we have a sermon on, on, on a topic like this, on, on encouragement, we sort of want to jive into, well, what, tell me what I need to do. Uh, tell me some techniques so I can be a better encourager of others and we'll, we'll get on with it. And that is important. But we need to be reminded that this is actually where it starts. It starts with who we are in Christ. It starts with a life, with a heart, with a mind, that is shaped by the Holy Spirit, that is alive in his word. You see, I, I think we can tell when people fake encouragement. I, I think we can tell when, when people are putting it on. And we don't want to be people who fake it. We, we don't want to be people who are just ticking off, a, ticking off a job to do in the life of the church. Oh, I've got to encourage them. We want this to flow out of deep, walk deep spiritual life being made alive in christ by his word and by his spirit okay well if, if that's when it starts if that's if that's where it flows from what does an encourager do what did what did barnabas do that made him such a great encourager well i want to i want to notice three things here that we, we see barnabas doing and, and the first one is this he saw the good things that God was doing. Did you notice that, how verse 23 starts? Barnabas goes to Antioch when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He, he saw the grace of God at work in this new, young, diverse church. Now, I, I think when we read this, we're tempted to think, oh, what? That must have been a really wonderful church then because all he could see was the grace of God. But, but I'm not so sure. This is a young church. This is a church with many new converts. This is a church with diverse backgrounds. This is a, a church that is learning together to live together as both Gentile and, and Jewish believers. That, that caused a lot of tension. To think that they wouldn't have had any issues, that, that would have been naive. There would have been concerns and there would have been issues and there would have been things that weren't right. But this is what an encourager does. An encourager looks for and sees the grace of God at work in churches, in ministries, and in people. That doesn't mean that they're not critical or they don't see things, they don't, they, or they ignore problems. It, absolutely not, not. But their focus is on what the grace of God is doing. 
See, I, I think we live uh, in a time and a culture that is both at the same, at the one time, extremely self-righteous and then also extremely critical of others. And those, those two things go hand in hand. We, we want to, in our culture and our society, justify the way that we are living. We want to build ourselves up, but at the same time, we want to push other people down. We set standards that are good for us, and then we, we want to judge everybody else by them. If you're on a, any sort of Facebook community page, you will see this at work. People love to, to highlight what they're doing, and they love to critique what everybody else is on about. Jesus warns about this for churches as well. You know, he talks about taking care of that speck in your own eye before you go pointing out, or no, logs in your own eye before you go to pointing out specks in other people. Because we too are attempted to focus on the negative, what is going wrong. But encouragement starts with what the grace of God is doing in people and in churches, and in ministry. It looks for the good things that God is doing, and it uses that as a basis for encouragement. I mean, parents, parents, we know how this works, don't we? Whether you're a parent now, you've been one in the past, or you will be, you can, you can bang on about all the negatives, and you're probably right. There probably are things that aren't going well. But if, it's, if there's not encouragement, if there's not congratulations and celebrating what is good, all there ends up being is discouragement. In church, we need to do that for each other. We need to see the grace of God at work in one another, at work in people, at work in ministries, and at work in our church. See, I, I think we have a, a struggle here that our good theology can sometimes lead to bad practice. I know that shouldn't be the case, but, but I think, think, think sometimes that happens. Our good theology is that all praise and honor and glory goes to God. That, that is good and right theology. But sometimes that can lead towards never saying or thinking or acknowledging something good and positive in a person's life. We don't want to puff people up. We don't want to make them proud. We don't want to take glory away from God. But, but this isn't doing that. This is to look for the grace of God at work in people and at work in the church. Can, can you imagine what it would have been like for this new young church in Antioch, how, how Barnabas himself, seeing the grace of God and being glad, would have been an encouragement to them. Here, here comes this respected man from Jerusalem, and, and he's, he, you know, they might have thought, is he going to be critical? Is he going to tell us what we do? Is he going to pull us in line? But now here he comes, and he, he sees the grace of God, and he's glad. Can you imagine how encouraging that would have been for this church? And so can we imagine what this is like when we do this for one another? When we, when we see someone serving in ministry and we say, we say, I really see 
God at work through you. And I am so, so thankful for that. Or we're, we're in a growth group with somebody and we, we see them. We see them striving to spend time in God's word or, 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 or praying about talking to their neighbors about Jesus. And, and we say, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I see God's grace at work within you. And I'm so encouraged by it. Or, or we, we, we pull aside a young person in the church and we say, I'm so thankful to God that you're a part of this church and that you're committed to its, to its life and its ministry. Can, can you imagine the kind of impact that that has on a person, on a growth group, on a ministry in our church? The second thing that we see then, this encourager doing, Barnabas doing, is we see him then spurring people on to remain faithful to Christ. Have a look at verse 23 again. It says, he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Now that, that word exhort there, it's, 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 it's one of the words that the Bible uses for encourage. It's also one of the words that it uses to describe the work of, of the Holy Spirit. It, you get this idea that it, it's God who is spurring on, it's God who's exhorting, encouraging by his Holy Spirit through people. And what's he exhorting them to? What's he encouraging them? Well, he's encouraging them to continue walking faithfully with, with all their hearts with their Lord. So this is more than, hey, good job, keep it going but keep walking close to your Savior. And this, this is really at the heart of Christian encouragement, isn't it? It's to come along once alongside one another and it's to spur each other on to follow Jesus. It's to, to hold the gospel out to one another, showing the grace and the love and the goodness and the forgiveness of God and spurring each other on with that good news. And it's to speak to the gospel to one another over and over again. There was, a, once I read this quote in a, in a book, I know I, I couldn't find the references I was preparing, but it, but it asked the question, um, how can you tell if someone needs encouragement? And the answer is, they're breathing. Because we all need this. We need each other, to spur us on to love and follow Jesus as we speak the gospel to one another over and over again. When we're discouraged in our faith, you know, we've all been there. When we feel distant from God and that our faith is hard, we need each other to remind us how good God is and how close he is to his people and his great love for us given in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be spurred on in our discouragement. When we're sad and we grieve, when we're disappointed, we need each other to remind us of the faithfulness of God and his goodness and his compassion and the mercy 
that he has for us each and every day. We need to be spurred on to draw near to him in our grief and in our sadness. When we're wandering, when we're walking away from the Lord, we need to be reminded of the power of the gospel. We need to be reminded of God's promises to us in Christ. We need to be gently but firmly warned about the consequences of not walking with Jesus. When we're doing well, when we're growing in Christ and we, we, we feel spiritually alive and vibrant, we still need each other. We need to be reminded that it's by grace and it's by grace alone. We need to have the cross put before us and, and, and to be reminded that even growth is a, is a tremendous gift of a gracious God. Church, we need each other. We need a ministry of encouragement, alive and active in our church. We need the Bible being shared with each other in, in conversations and text messages, in growth groups. Spurred on to walk with our Savior Jesus. Now, I, I know this is, this is a part of church life that is not easy at the moment. It's not easy. We, we can't think about conversations that we might have before or after Sunday worship over coffee. We don't get that incidental time with each other. And so we, we do need to be more intentional about it. Can I suggest we start with this? Can I suggest that it, it, we start with praying for each other? And we start by asking that God would enable us to be encouragers of each other. And I reckon that as we pray that, God will call to mind, God will, God will bring to our hearts people that he wants us to call or text or visit so that we might be an encouragement to them. When we, when we are about to go into one of those Zoom meetings with our growth group, with a branch youth group as well, what, what if before we did that, we asked God, God, show me how I can be an encouragement to others today. Enable me, Lord, to, to, to speak a word of, of grace, of encouragement, spurring on to the other people in my group today. Can, can you imagine what church life would, would be like if we were like that? Can, can, can you imagine the building up and the encouraging? And then we, we reduce those conversations that suck dry and drain, and we increase those ones that build up and spur on and, and recharge as we follow Christ together. Third and final thing I want to notice Barnabas doing here, and, and this is an extension of that encouraging work that he's done for everyone, is that Barnabas develops other workers for the kingdom. Notice what he does here in this passage in verse 25 and 26. Barnabas realizes that there's, there's much great work to be done here in Antioch. So he goes down to Tarsus and he picks up Saul. Saul, who, you know, seven or eight years earlier, he'd been the one, he introduced them into Jerusalem and he brings them back up to, Tarsus, uh, to, to Antioch and they minister together there. 
Now, Barnabas and, and Saul, they're going to be together for quite some time now. But in the coming chapters, there's going to be this really interesting shift that takes place. It will go from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas. And, and Barnabas will take the step back. And Paul will take the step forward. And Barnabas will, will have... Paul under his wing, and he will nurture him, and he will encourage him, and then he'll step back. You know what? I don't think Barnabas gives two hoots about that. I don't think he cares, because he's an encourager, and this is what encouragers do. It's not about him. It's not about him being in front. It's about other people, and spurring them on, and releasing them. And it won't be the last time that Barnabas does that either. In the next chapter, they get, he and Saul, are get, they're going to pick up Mark. And uh, Mark's going to travel with them for a little while, and Mark's going to be a failed missionary. And he's going to fail so badly that Paul won't take him again in the, ne in the, ne in the following journey. But Barnabas won't give up. And Paul and Barnabas will go their separate ways and Barnabas will take Mark. And the same thing will happen. Barnabas will fade into the background and he's barely heard of since. And Mark will come to the fore. So much so that 10, 15 years later, Paul will write to Timothy, bring me Mark because he's useful to me in my ministry. Because Mark had this encourager walk beside him and lift him up and spur him on and then released him, developed him and released him for kingdom ministry. Because for encouragers, it's about the kingdom. It's not about themselves. It's not, a, it's, it's not about how they feel. It's about Jesus and the cause of his kingdom. See, so I, I, I wonder whether we could be a church that is great at Barnabas-like encouragement, where we draw alongside each other and we minister to one another's needs and we, we spur each other on through the word. And in doing that, we see many, many people released for kingdom ministry in our church, in our community, and, and maybe in the, in the wider world. Let me just finish with a, with a quick story. Uh, not many of us would have heard of a, of a man named Samuel Morley. Uh, he wasn't uh, particularly famous, although uh, he was wealthy uh, in the 1800s. He was a, a wool manufacturer, uh, and later on he became a politician. And he was a strong believer. In uh, 1865, Samuel Morley took a punt on a 36-year-old street preacher. This street preacher had a lot of passion. He had a lot of kids. He had seven of them. Uh, but he didn't have a lot of money. And so Samuel Morley committed to 100 pounds a year, a lot of money back then, so that this street preacher could carry on doing his work. It was Barnabas-like encouragement and support. 
that young street preacher was William Booth. Uh, and William Booth went on to found the Salvation Army, enabling thousands of people to hear the gospel and come to faith in Christ. Who knows what the Lord will do with our encouragement? Who knows who we will spur on, whom God will use to do great and mighty things in his kingdom and for his glory? Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that, that you are the ultimate encourager. Thank you that you are the one who by your spirit and by your word spurs us on in the Christian walk. And thank you, Lord God, that you use us in each other's lives to do that. Lord God, we do, we do desire to be a church where that sort of encouragement takes place and is vibrant and is meaningful. We don't want to be a church, Lord, where it's faked or it's put on. We, we do pray that you would develop hearts that walk with you from which encouragement flows. But Lord God, we do pray that you would grow us in this grace, that we would spur one another on. Help us to be selfless and giving and loving in our relationships. And Lord God, please use this for your cause, for your kingdom, for your name's sake. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.